Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast sponsored by JLS Automation, a leader in hygienic primary and secondary robotic packaging solutions for the bakery industry. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking, and I'm spending this season with New Haven, Connecticut-based Chabasso Bakery, a B Corp certified commercial artisan bakery. And we are visiting with various members of the team to explore their journey of becoming a certified B Corporation and how this bakery is using its business as a force for good. This week, I'm chatting with Charlie Nagaro, Chabasso CEO, and Reed Immer, Director of Sales and Marketing, to recap the process of obtaining B Corp certification. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Reed. Hey, Joni. Hey, Joni. I am really excited to dive into this. I know there's a lot to unpack. In the discussion that Charlie and I had last week, it's very clear that Chabasso was already living many B Corp values in its daily practice. But you all still put in the effort to seek certification, which is a long and I'm assuming somewhat arduous process. So in this episode, we're going to explore this journey with the two of you and sort of uncover the reasons behind the process and what it took to gain that certification. And I want to start the conversation with a straightforward question, and that is why? Yeah, so why? Um why try to obtain a certification for something that you are you feel like you're already doing? I think it's for us being extremely entrepreneurial company. It really spoke to us to have something that helped you define what you're already doing. Yeah. We've never been the best at putting words succinctly <laughs> for what we do. Kind of like my answer to your question. <laughs> you know, just like manufacturers have quality programs. To have a tool that helps you put words to it and that helps you get better. When you go through the, the process of answering the questions for B Corp, it also challenges you to think about things in ways that you never may have approached it. And then also, once you get into the world of B Corp, you realize that there's this cohort of like-minded people that can support you in your day-to-day journey of trying to, do, trying to be a business that does good in this world. And also just the standard day-to-day challenges of running and operating a business in the world today. You know, I really um, liked what you said last week, Charlie, about just like mission and vision statements. Sometimes it's hard to sort of formulate those words and they can change, but your actions sort of represent you with more continuity. Is truly actions speak louder than words. But I liked what you said that the B Corp certification helped put words to your actions. Yeah, exactly. And I would just add to Charlie's statement that a lot of the stuff that is part of B Corp has been part of Chabasso's DNA for the history of the company. Mm-hmm. And there's always been this interest in kind of, okay, let's, yeah, using this as a force for good and all these amazing programs that have popped up. But sometimes when you're kind of just like in your own world of doing those things, it's easy just to focus on the highlights and not necessarily look at it from a higher level view of kind of from all these different stakeholder groups that we interact with. Are we holding ourselves up to the same level of standards that we're doing in kind of these these little silos of the organization? So it's helped us to kind of have this more 360 view and actually start to walk the talk of 
are we actually as good of a company in terms of goodness as, as we like to think we are? And I think often when you really go through this rigorous assessment, you realize, okay, yeah, there's some great stuff we've been doing, but there's also a lot more work we can be doing um, to kind of live up to this level that, that we'd like to be doing. And I think like Charlie said, in terms of it functioning as a tool for us, uh, kind of the, the specific tool that, that I see it as is almost a compass mm-hmm. in terms of if you have this larger vision of, okay, force for good, sometimes it's easy to get a little lost in the sauce and do a million things at once. But th- this is a way that kind of helps structure it into a, a manageable framework that can be delegated throughout the organization that kind of different departments and folks can learn how they fit into more focused responsibilities, how that contributes to the overall force for goodness of the organization. It's a way that you can kind of bring it out of just the CEO's head and have it be something that affects the day-to-day operations of everybody across the whole organization. Yeah. So here's something that I found to be really fascinating from my particular perspective as a B2B journalist in the baking industry. The network of certified B Corps is pretty close to 3,000 companies. And when I went on the website and went to the database and typed in, you can search by keywords, and I typed in food manufacturing, and a little less than 400 names came up. And then I typed in a search for bakery, 34 names came up. So you are really, really breaking ground in our industry and sort of paving the way, I think, for doing good through baking. What do you guys think are some of the barriers? Like, why is it that there aren't that many food manufacturing companies, relatively speaking, and there aren't very many at all that classify as bakery? What do you think the barriers are for bakeries to gain this certification? I think one of the challenges is that the B Corp impact assessment that you need to go through to kind of get the initial certification, it doesn't change that much the question set, depending on the type of business you are. I think just from a a manufacturing organization where like you're making physical goods, it's sometimes hard to live up to those same environmental waste standards Mm -hmm. that a ad agency or kind of some other white collar business, it's just easier for them to do that. So even though there, there might be a lot of other folks in the manufacturing, food, baking industries that kind of see this as a good thing to do and something they'd like to have be part of their business. There's just kind of some hurdles just from being a manufacturer of physical goods that makes it a little harder to live up to the requirements. So I think that's one thing. And I think also the baking industry is a little bit old school, which is really cool in some ways, but I think in some other ways, you know, there's some businesses that are family owned that have been around for a while and to some of them, kind of, they have a, a great product and a good thing going, and there's not necessarily always a, you know, critical motivation to kind of jump to this next higher level. Especially also when there aren't that many businesses that have done that in your sector. One of the things we're hoping to do is kind of prove, be an example of all the benefits that can come to a manufacturing organization from receiving the certification, and hopefully inspire some other folks to tread forward on that path as well. Yeah, I agree. I think you guys have an opportunity to sort sort of be a beacon for our industry and how to do things differently. Um, why, though, do you think it's important for baking companies to seek and achieve B Corp certification? How can, can having these tools change our industry? 
a few of the big benefits that we're seeing early on, but that of course we're still pursuing is first off, attracting high quality talent for a manufacturing organization is a has always been a challenge and is increasingly more and more of a challenge. And so there's this aspect of your organization's employer brand. Why do I want to work for you? Why do I spend my day in, day out, you know, years of my life kind of being part of this organization? And so we found a lot of other organizations that have kind of made progress with this B Corp and all the other kind of related aspects of goodness for your stakeholders. You start to attract a type of person that wants to work really, really hard, that wants to make a difference in the world, that wants to build something. And that aligns with a lot of what Chibasso has been up to over the years. So we see this as kind of reinforcing the pitch for folks to kind of come join the organization and make an impact in the world. So we see that helping with kind of building that team internally. And then also, of course, bread is a commodity product. And one of Charlie's big things is how do we decommoditize bread? And so we found that having these trustworthy third-party certifications, that's not everything, but that's, that's one kind of aspect of helping to stand apart from other products in the bakery category, in a grocer and other food sales operations and help to build our business to have more of a, a meaning for the shopper, have them see this as, okay, this is worth us spending a buck more on this loaf of bread because I know it's part of a good organization that's making a difference and you know a little bit of voting with your dollar. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think just especially in the past decade, food manufacturing has gotten a really bad rap. And it's frustrating for me when I hear people talk about big food and food manufacturing when I see through a different lens because I'm sort of on the inside and it's not what people assume. And I feel like the more baking companies and food manufacturing companies that can gain B Corp certification, the sooner that curtain's going to come down and the general public is going to see that it's not this dark, we're trying to just profit off of people, like there's more to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything we do as food manufacturers like affects so many kind of core things of life. Kind of back to what we talked about last week was we're using this thing that a lot of people, specifically in the baking world, we're using this thing that a lot of people take for granted, which is flour, specifically commodity flour. I think in the last couple of years, consumers have gotten, I guess there's like a new awareness of grocery stores, what they mean for us, how we access food when we can't leave the house and like what people are doing for you that have to leave the house when you're stuck inside for whatever reason. And uh, that has created a lot of challenge that we're still grappling with as a, as a society and as a world. And um, I think for us, it's helped us double down our effort on making sure that we're connected with our staff and our customers and consumers in a way that feels sustainable and genuine um, and uh, helps us think about how we do better. Okay. So I want to take a look at your specific journey into gaining this certification. And, and like you said, you spent 15 years trying to get here, not necessarily like doing the certification process, but doing what it takes to get there and how you're forming your mission as a company. But when you sat down to do that B impact assessment and fill out that form. What was that initial impression? What kind of self-reflection did that trigger for you? 
<laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. So at first I don't want to like scare anybody away by being like, wait, you could do you guys 15 years? Right. <laughs> like what, what, what have you been doing? So I think like with most things that I get interested in, it's like you see a group of people doing something or you see a person doing something, you go, okay, I want to go to there. I want to be like that person and I look up to this or that's a challenge that I have no idea what this is, but I want to understand it. And I just like, okay, I'm going to cannonball into the deep end. One of like the beautiful things about B-Lab and what they've done with this is, is you can just go and take the, the impact assessment. I mean, it takes you forever, at least when we first started this. And I think this is still a case, like anybody can just go on and do the impact assessment. And I did that like a bajillion years ago and uh, probably made it halfway through it, probably at the expense of like not doing my day job for like a week. And you have that experience of like, okay, yeah, we're doing a lot of this stuff. This is cool. Like, so, but we're really not doing a bunch of this. And there's questions in here that I've never thought of. And like you said, there's a period of self-reflection, which is always kind of hard to hear that you're not quite there yet. Sometimes the part of that is uh, stepping into that unknown and going, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, or I'm not quite there yet, or we're not quite there yet. Like, let's, let's go for it. Let's do this. Having people on our team like Reed who will sustain that effort and spend more than a week on it and still do their day job is the key to chipping away at it. I could see how somebody might get discouraged at it, but it's being up for the challenge of wanting to evolve or change how you do things for the better. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about how the process is about taking that self-reflection and knowing how you want to do better and then turning that into something that's quantifiable. How hard is that? And I'm guessing that this is going to be a question for Reed. Like, can you talk to me about what it's like to turn something that's so qualitative into hard numbers? How long does something like that take and still do your day job? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it took for this most recent run of us attempting to do the impact assessment, it took the better part of two years to collect all the data from all these different departments inputting that into the assessment. You know, we have a lot of great internal reporting at Chibasso, kind of usually more on the typical manufacturing stuff, like how many ingredients we use to make this batch and what are our sales. Um, but there's all these other areas that are part of the B Corp assessment that we didn't really have reporting set up for already. So part of it was kind of having these conversations with the team and figuring out while still, like Charlie said, balancing the day to day, how can we be chipping away at getting this report on our environmental footprint or difference in pay between different levels of the organization and all this other stuff. It's not like any single question was insanely complex or difficult to gather, but just kind of the combination of them all combined together can be a little bit of a daunting process and required a little bit of just kind of blind stubbornness on my part of just keep pushing forward. And I think also part of that is it's such a large project that it it's so important that the top level of the organization really sees the the value of this just in terms of that kind of being a force for good yeah. because otherwise it's it's really easy to lose steam. And I remember I've been at Chibasa for about five years now. And when I first joined, we had 
we had done an, uh, another attempt at doing this and probably got like a quarter of the way through. And then just there's so much other stuff going on that we're like, okay, we got to put this on pause. So that kind of made me realize, okay, if we really want to do this again, it's going to require, you know, X amount more energy, but still having that top level interest in it, that, that makes a difference in whether kind of you, you feel that support to keep moving forward with it, or if it becomes something that's like, nah, that's just kind of one of those nice to haves. We don't really need to be focusing. And, you know, when you go through these hundreds of questions for the impact assessment, me and Charlie had found like when you're reading through them, you're like, oh yeah, that would be a good thing for us to be doing. Oh yeah, we haven't really thought about that. If you already kind of have that reaction of like, oh yeah, that is good. We should be doing that. I think that's a a really good sign that there's some alignment. If you read through the questions and you're like, why the heck do I care about this? That That's just not part of our DNA at all. Then I think that's a sign that maybe the values aren't initially aligned. Right. And And that's a big difference maker. Yeah. I have this vision in my head of someone looking at it and going, oh, that's a really great idea. Or, oh, there's more to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Troubleshooting Innovation is brought to you by JLS Automation, a leader in automated bakery packaging solutions. Simple and easy to use primary loading systems, cartoners, and case packers. Fill labor gaps while keeping your bakery products safe. Compatible with various sustainable packaging materials and formats. Gentle product handling from raw dough to fragile pastries and all the way to sandwich assembly. Enhance worker safety while reducing waste. When performance of your bakery line matters, JLS provides innovative solutions that help make your business a force for good. Learn more at jlsautomation.com. There was a conversation, this was like two years ago, where Reed turned to me and was just like, look, is this something you actually want to do or not? You know, if you want to do it, we have to actually do this. And some of that has come through like Reed and I just knowing each other for a long time. And it's like knowing when you have to kind of level set and check in. And we got very fortunate because I mentioned last, in the last episode, New Haven Farms was something that incubated out of Chivasso. And the former director of that uh, is this woman named Rebecca Klein Coffee. And she went on to work for a company that helps aspiring B Corp companies get their certification. And Rebecca is someone I've known my whole life. And having that additional person that can hold you accountable and that you don't want to let down. There was definitely times that if it wasn't for her and if it wasn't for Reed, I would have punted on this. Having the people who believe in this is essential. You know, it's not a one person job. Did you build a team and how big was that team? You know, me and Rebecca worked really, really closely together, weekly calls to be doing this. And then basically we'd focus it with like a department, respective department of Chibasso and like kind of all the questions that were relevant to that department. And so I try to schedule, you know, a few meetings or video calls with the respective folks at Chibasso that were the experts in these question areas and could help me answer that. But kind of the core group was me and Rebecca working weekly, Charlie being part of the scene and, you know, maybe doing some, some check-ins every other week or, or monthly. A lot of the coordination work fell on my shoulders, which was a really amazing process and tough and educational in a way to kind of learn a lot more about the whole organization than kind of just from the sales marketing silo. But definitely having some sort of 
internal champion is very, very important. Having that support from the top, from Charlie and folks was really, really important. And I think, you know, from here, one of the things that we're starting to clarify is, okay, some sort of official internal committee that is, you know, more officially looping in folks from across the organization to kind of have this be part of their monthly projects or whatever. There's different ways to tackle it because we're a small company. We just didn't have the resources to hire somebody just to kind of be the internal B Corp person full-time day-to-day. I know, you know, larger organizations, you have your sustainability or your impact team and kind of all of their work incentives are revolving around bringing this to the finish line and, and keeping this forward. I think in the small organization, the challenge is, okay, how do you still do the day-to-day stuff, which is still a huge challenge with limited resources? And and how do you find a way to kind of work that in without overburdening yourself? So yeah, that was, it was definitely a, a complex dance over those two years to to figure that out. I feel like when you're a small company that you have to just pull from those internal resources as opposed to a huge company that, like you said, has a team of people who like are dedicated solely to sustainability and impact. Those small teams, like it says so much about who you are as a company because you have to be really passionate about it in order to take that on and wear that hat in addition to all the other hats you're wearing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Charlie and I share a lot of these same interest in kind of using this business as a force for good. And for me, it was kind of like, how do I want to live my life day to day? And having this feeling that you're contributing to some sort of smidgen of of goodness in the world is, that's just how I'd rather be living my life than otherwise. And if it takes all of us to be working a little harder to be making that happen, I'd still rather my, all of our collective days kind of be involving that stuff. And Charlie and his dad and kind of the whole DNA of Chibasso, it's already was already on that path so much. And there are already so many folks in the organization that just kind of naturally saw the value of this. So it wasn't really that hard of a sell of kind of like why this is important. Of course, managing it and having it be a not too burdensome day-to-day thing, that was kind of the bigger challenge, but already having that internal interest and yeah, this is the direction we want to be moving in. That was essential for a small business like us to to really make this work. So the assessment revolves around this idea of measure, compare, and improve. So you had Rebecca as kind of a North Star, but how was it to measure what you were doing against other B Corps and see your benchmarking in tangible ways? Did you look at other companies and who were those companies, if you did, to use for specific benchmarks during the process? Our biggest goal for this was just to kind of get over that 80 minimum point score to achieve it. And I think beyond that, we were like, we, we know there's a lot more we can be doing, but yeah, we worried it would become a little too burdensome again, to use that word, um, if we were trying to go too much farther than that. For years, Charlie and I have kind of been saying that we wanted to be the Patagonia of bread, which is relevant in some ways and not relevant in a lot of ways. Um, but just kind of be like seeing some, like an organization like that, that within their own industry is kind of pushing the edge and seeing all the benefits that come from kind of being part of of leading the pack and in a few other organizations as well. But that was a, a really inspiring thing of like, okay, there's something about that that we want to be applying to this. Um, and then of course, from working with Rebecca and Impact Growth Partners, her organization, they were really, really helpful in kind of sharing references with us of both manufacturers or folks in other industries 
that were both small businesses, large businesses, and we were able to you know check out their websites, hop on some calls with some of those folks that were facilitated by Rebecca and her team. And I think kind of that, that whole combination of having a, a few organizations that Charlie, myself, others at Chibasso kind of really were inspired by, and then being able to have these connections with other emerging B Corps across the country that all formed as a really valuable reference to help us see kind of how we could fit into that whole ecosystem. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Patagonia because very early on in this conversation, I was thinking about Patagonia. And when I mentioned that, I think if more baking companies could become B Corp certified, it could change the the general public's perception of what food manufacturing really means. And I was thinking, you know, you're off to such a great start because you are in company with companies like Patagonia. And that says so much about you as a bakery. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really exciting to be given some access to the same room as all these folks. It always feels good to be the dumbest person in the room is kind of what I tell myself. I love that. But we're in the room, so we have a lot to learn, yeah. (laughs) I love that. Okay, so let's talk about that overall B impact score. You had to get an 80, and it looks like you landed an 85.4. So that's pretty great. You nailed it. But how many, you said it, how many tries did it take? Two or three? Yeah, so I think it was, uh, this is our only actual formal try of submitting a score. Every other attempt was still the internal challenge of making it totally through the impact assessment. Okay. And that assessment is the bulk of the work. You, know, you get to question 140 and you're like, oh, okay. So this is like hugely challenging to either extract the data to answer the question. And you know, we stalled out three or four times. Because these aren't like multiple choice questions or yes, no questions. These are hundreds of really hard questions that require a lot of information, right? Yeah. And some of them actually are kind of multiple choice and how you answer them, you get varying degrees of points. There's like an opportunity in all of them to think about how you do things. To get to the point of actually submitting what you think your score is to B-Lab to get vetted is a huge effort. Just to add on that, I think one of the few differences between this most recent effort and past efforts of Jibasa was there are a few initiatives, internal projects that started at Jibasa that really aligned with the B Corp questions and kind of helped us to push ourselves over that finish line that we weren't necessarily doing to that same level in the past. There's certain questions that you can get like 0.5 points if you do this thing. And there's other questions that you can get like 10 points out of the 80 to do this thing. And two quick examples of that, we've really formalized some of our bread donation processes over the past year. And I mean, donating bread has always been a huge part of Chibasso's DNA, but I think we got to a point where we had established a lot stronger relationships with these food banks and food donation agencies in the area that made it so much easier for them to be picking up product that we were hoping to be donating. And then also kind of a a big, big thing for this time around was we had changed some of our hiring processes and partnered with a resettlement agency called IRIS that helps refugees and displaced peoples from different countries around the world that are arriving in New Haven. They help them get housing, learn English, figure out kind of 
their healthcare situation, get them uh, job opportunities. And so we have, we've already had a relationship with, with Iris for years and years and years, but we started to really make that a part of our hiring process. And that, that really gave us a lot of points. I mean, it, it's an amazing thing that we're doing and we do it just for the sake of doing it. And it also helps a lot with our, our hiring struggles at Jibasso of in terms of finding folks that really, really want to take on this really tough job of working in a manufacturing facility. But connecting those dots with that area was a major difference between this time around for the assessment in terms of getting us over that 80 point minimum and previous iterations. Yeah, really well said, Reed. You know, it's like, it's things that, you know, someone listening to this could be like, that's not a big deal. We donate stuff or anybody can donate stuff or anybody can hire people from different groups, but it's the actually one formalizing it and shifting the organization towards being able to know how to do this in the most impactful way makes you realize how actually important these things are. Like Reed was saying, we've always donated bread. We've always had this relationship with Iris, but like some of these things also are just the luck of the timing. It's because you know, there's this huge number of Afghan refugees coming to this country right now that need a stepping stone into a new life. And it's not a temporary thing. And they, Iris sets them up and they were happy to help them with that first stepping stone of getting a job. And at one point in January, we had, I think 20, more than 20% of our hourly workforce was Afghan refugees. And, you know, 2022 would not have been possible without them uh, for us. You know, some of them have gone off and started their own businesses. They've gone and got other jobs. A lot of them are still with us. Like manufacturing has always been the first step for a lot of people. Like Reed was saying, it's a hard job, but it gives a lot of people a first start. I guess the secret sauce in all of this is like we were talking about before, like it's the formalization of it that makes it work even better. That's a good lead into the last question for this episode. And that's circling back on that self-reflection. Do you think that this process kind of took you from feeling like this is the kind of company that we want to be or that we believe we are? to this is who we are. Yeah. Change how you see yourself as a company at the end. At the beginning of this, Reed said that we're always trying to basically decommoditize a commodity product. And I think it's important to say that like, it's not like we're doing anything different with bread. I mean, we make artisan bread and it's the highest quality we can make. Um, The bread's not changing. It's the how we do things with whom we do it is what becomes the most instrumental thing that we do. You know, people use the word culture with uh, some reckless abandon sometimes, but when you're in a culture or seeing a culture experiencing or lucky enough to be leading or uh, responsible for a culture that's clicking, you really start to feel one pretty protective of it. And you start to feel very fortunate to be a part of it. It's a daily reminder that, oh, so this took a lot of work, (laughs) you know, let's, let's make sure we keep this thing going. It's this, I have this probably terrible metaphor where it's like to get a speedboat out of the water takes a lot of effort, but once you get it up on the plane, you can throttle back and keep it there. But if you take your foot off the gas too much, it's back down on the water and you got to put all that effort back into it to get it back up there. So it's, 
really important that we have this compass, like Reed called it, to help us navigate how we do things. And I just added that quickly. And Joni had asked, like, are we more confident now that this is who we are? I think definitely, you know, we are a B Corp now. And that's in writing. We got that. We got that proof. But not necessarily in terms of, oh, we've reached the end point of what it means to be a force for good in the world and a good business. I think the importance is, you know, seeing this as a starting point. And it's like who we are is, oh, yeah, we're somebody who day to day is working to chip away at push forward in these areas to more and more be developing this and bringing these ideals into reality. Because, you know, there's still a lot of work of us communicating the value of this throughout the organization and seeing how this relates to folks' day-to-day responsibilities and how this can kind of help us do a better job, and have everyone be more proud of what we're spending our time doing. So I think seeing this as a, a starting point and, and that's who we are as somebody who's willing to keep that hard work day-to-day of more and more trying to chip away and bring goodness, however we're defining it, into the world. I think that that is who we are. But, you know, we're, we're not trying to be like, oh, yeah, we did it. We're perfect. We're all good now. Time to go home, guys. Um, and I think that that's an important attitude to have. That's such a good note to end on and a great way to plug the next couple of episodes because we are going to get into that. So today we really dug into what it took to get here. But now that you're here, you're right. It's not the end. So we're going to look at what's next and and how you use this. And so next week, we are going to look at how Chabasso operationalizes these values on the bakery floor. And read like you said, being a B Corp in a manufacturing space is very different than in a white collar environment. So I'm very interested to uncover the ways that Chabasso's values as a certified B Corporation is shining through for the workers and in the process on the plant floor. So next week, we are going to visit with Rich Jamesley, the VP of Operations and Supply Chain, to get his perspective on what it's like from the operations perspective as a certified B Corp. So I'm really looking forward to next week. But for today, Reed and Charlie, thank you so much for your time and sharing your perspective on the hard work that you put into gaining this incredible certification. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Jenny. Thank you for listening to the Troubleshooting Innovation Podcast. And a special thank you to our sponsor, JLS Automation. For more information on JLS and its hygienic robotic bakery packaging solutions, visit jlsautomation.com.